talk about tonight jet uh baseball's in the air spring training underway uh, weather's getting better and at least in some parts of the country uh some fans will be in citizen bank park some fans are at spring training games uh so baseball is coming for sure the flyers finally healthy from covid now they need to win some games last night was not a good showing the sixers had a half game lead last wednesday when we talked they still have a half game lead this wednesday with a big game tonight against the Pelicans. Uh, plenty going on in Philly sports, Chet. Bill, yeah, both the Flyers and Sixers have been up and down of late. The, the Flyers had those back-to-back shutouts last weekend over a bad Buffalo team, but couldn't carry that over to game one of their three-game stay out in Pittsburgh. The Sixers just 5-5 five and five in their last 10, but as you said, they're still clinging to first place in the NBA's Eastern Conference, and they're hosting the very good Utah Jazz, the best team in the NBA as we speak. But, you know, for us, Bill, baseball has top billion on this week's show. And, man, it's nice to see fans in the stands again at those spring training games. Yeah, it is, uh, even though there's some certainly some issues with that uh, that we'll get into a little bit. And uh, tonight we're going to talk a lot of baseball with our good friend, former all-star catcher and president Oakland A's broadcaster Ray Fossey. If we can get Ray hooked up uh, to get the latest of what's going on in baseball get his opinion on how things are going to play out. And uh, obviously he's a lot more connected with all that than you and I are. We had a lot of fun talking to Ray last year, so we thought we would definitely have to bring him back. And we're going to give that a shot, Bill. I don't know if this is going to work, but we'll see. All right, let's do it. Let's welcome back Ray Fossey to Philly Press Box Radio. Ray, good to have you back. Always great to talk to you. I'm doing fine. Can you hear me, Chet? I hear you just fine. Um, now, for Bill to hear you, that's going to be an issue. Bill, did you hear Ray at all? Yeah, I did. Okay, good. Yeah, because you're going into my microphone, essentially, Ray. Um, okay. All right, so we talked to you twice last spring during the early part of the lockdown. And while we're, of course, not totally out of the pandemic, it's looking like we're going to have a full 2021 baseball season. So let me ask you, as a guy who's been in the game more than 50 years now, do you still get re-energized when spring training rolls around, Ray? Yes, I do, uh, except we just did games on uh, Sunday and Monday, uh, our first two exhibition games, and because of the travel restrictions or whatever, we're only doing home games. So we did the Dodgers and the Reds in back-to-back games at our Ho-Ho Camp Park in Mesa, and you know both games were scheduled for seven innings, which that's a change, uh, because when you have an abundance of players in camp, and especially pitchers, and even position players, because... You know, let's admit there's a 40-man roster, and I think the A's have something like 62 players in camp. So if you're one of those 22 players, you want to pitch or play, and typically it's a nine-inning game, sometimes extra innings, and those extra guys get a chance to play. But if it's a seven-inning game, and in the case,
case of Monday against the Reds, in the bottom of the fourth and the bottom of the fifth, David Bell, the manager, said, okay, we're done. Come on in. And so uh, actually I was doing play-by-play, and Chad Pender walked. I looked down at my scorebook to put in Pender walk, and I looked up. He's at first base and leaving. <laughs> and then I said, well, maybe there's a pinch runner, and then everybody left the field. I go, what's going on? <laughs> and then they started the next inning. So there are a lot of rules, and, and I just hope that going into the 21 season – that uh, they're going to be in a bubble, and I think they're wearing tracers. They're doing something uh, uh, so they can be monitored as to where they're going, what they're doing. And, you know, I always say it comes down to money, guys, and when it does, uh, the players stand to make a lot of money in a full season. I don't think the owners will make as much. I talked to one of our uh, front office people, and they said normally $60 million is derived from attendance, and if they're doing 20 to 25%, it's going to be about 15 to 20 million. So that's a big loss. They do have the network money, but if you factor in the full salaries of the players, that money that they receive, I think is about 67 million in, in October for postseason money. Uh, it still doesn't add up to, in a lot of cases, probably more cases than not, of a, uh, a positive season with regard to not losing money. Let's just hope they play the full season. And this time next year, we're talking about no mask, talking about. Hey, hey, Ray, uh, one of the things I was going to mention to you, uh, I just read an article this afternoon talking about ticket prices for opening day. And, you know, some of the some of the states are letting people uh, go to the games. Looks like they're going to have some fans at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Uh, StubHub seems to have all the tickets, though, or a bunch of them, and the lowest price for a Phillies opener on StubHub today, $523 per ticket, Ray. Uh, what in the world's going on? You know, that's terrible, uh, Bill, because I, I'll, I'll say this. I saw an article about the Dodgers. Of course, they're the reigning world champions. Their home opener, I don't even know who it's against, but I saw that bleacher seats were $8,000 for bleacher <laughs> seats. And they said, can you imagine a family of four going to opening day at Dodger Stadium, sitting in the bleachers, and paying almost $35,000 just to watch your team play? I think it's ridiculous. Uh, to be honest, I know with the A's, we have what is called a flex ticks program. And I have not heard where tickets are going to be distributed. So unless there's certain companies that are, are trying to uh, mention these prices and, and hope that they can get tickets, I don't know that they're going to, to be honest, because I can't see, let, let's say the Coliseum where the A's play is 20, 25%, which would be about 11,000 people. Now, all that could change in California uh, because of the governor, Gavin Newsom. Uh, you know, that's kind of what the A's have been told. But, you know, if, if that's all it's going to be, um, I, I can only say what's happening in spring training. They're, they're in uh, pods of four and two. Uh, you can't buy individual tickets. You can't buy more than a four or a two. I mean, you can buy more, but they have to be in increments, I think, of four. So four, eight, 16, 32, whatever. But um, I just think that maybe some of these people who are charging this, these stupid prices are hoping that they can get somebody to say, yeah, I want to go. And then they go out and try to find a ticket and maybe offer to somebody who has a ticket. Uh, well, you know, we'll give you face plus 200 bucks. I don't know. Uh, but I, I just, I really can't see that happening. Hey, Ray, uh, speaking of rules that you mentioned earlier, what did you think of the seven inning 
games last year for double headers and uh, I guess the extra inning game is starting with a man on second base. What do you think of those uh, rule changes? Well, I'll, I'll answer your second question first. <laughs> the A's were the first team. Uh, it was a Friday night at the Coliseum against the Angels. And uh, it was the first time, you know, it might have been opening night now that I think about it, but it was a tie game. Uh, as a matter of fact, Liam Hendricks gave up and had his only blown save. He gave up a home run in the ninth inning. Uh, it should have been 0-2. The umpire missed the call. It was 1-1. and one. Ball floated over the plate. And um, uh, Jason Castro hit a home run to tie it. So going in the top of the 10th inning, Shohei Ohtani was the last batter. And everybody, we're looking, you know, we got a shot in the dugout. And he's just standing there. And somebody said, you got to go to second. He goes, what? You know, <laughs> and, and it goes to second. And, and it, if you can believe this, a uh, left-handed hitter pulled the ball hard to the right side. Otani was going to third, assuming he was going to make it easily, and it was Matt Olson at first throwing him out at third to Chapman and getting him out. And so, you know, it, it was you know Liam Hendricks said, "I've come into games those that way." He had played in the minor leagues, and I think they do that. But as far as the seven inning doubleheaders, I'll be honest with you, I think it's a disadvantage to the team that's trailing. And I know the A's had a couple doubleheaders against Houston. And both times, the A's were trailing going into the top of the seventh inning in Houston and bottom of the seventh in, in Oakland, and they bring their closer in. You never do that in a, in a seven-inning or a nine-inning game. You don't bring – but they should sometimes bring a closer in to, to get out of a jam. But uh, all of a sudden, there's no bridge guy. There's no middle of reliever trying – and if you're down by one run, you got a chance to come back and at least tie it. And it just didn't happen. So, you know, they're trying to do things to speed up the game, number one. But I think in the case of the pandemic, they were trying to limit the amount of time that the team was on the road. And, guys, I think in that game, if the A's played the first extra inning game, it went 13 innings. So each each half inning, the teams had a runner start at second base, and nobody could score. And, and that was it. So um, I tell you, it's trying to get acclimated to the new rules. There is one rule that I think should be back this year because I think when they have the uh, collective bargaining agreement expire in December of this year, I think you're going to see the permanent designated hitter, universal DH, and for that not to occur now, I think it's it's something that should be done because I heard somebody today uh, doing another interview and the, the guy before me said, well, it's a dis- disadvantage to the National League because they don't know who to have as DH. I said, no, 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 no. I said it's a disadvantage when the American League teams go into the National League parks because the pitchers are accustomed to hitting. Yeah. And in the American League, there's no way our pitchers are even allowed to pick up a bat until about two days before the game. And you just hope and pray that a bunt situation comes up so they don't have to swing the bat. Hmm. Hey, Ray, we had uh, last year, last summer, we had Mitch Williams on with us, uh, you know, a closer in his career and and, yep. and uh, yeah the wild thing and, and his his comment was you're going to put a guy on second and then hang me with a loss that's not my loss who how, who came up with that idea Jed, you'll have to repeat i did not hear the full question from bill on that yeah he was saying how mitch said you know that goofy rule where you put a guy on second you're not going to hang me with that loss if that guy scores i didn't put the runner on second base well, and, and you know, the thing is, you get the loss, but it's not an earned run. Yeah. That, that's, that's really the strange thing about that. But uh, but still, it's an L. And, and you know, the A's did a great job uh, with Liam Hendricks. And, you know, perhaps that's why he got $54 million to go to the White Sox uh, as a closer. And the White Sox definitely are loading up. But 
Liam would pitch the ninth or the tenth inning, and he had an overpowering fastball. And I cannot remember ever an extra inning game in which Liam Hendricks pitched that the A's did not have the advantage going into the the top of the inning, the bottom of the inning, or what it might be uh, to try to win the ball game. So it just happened to work out for Liam. But uh, I think I think it helped Liam and helped the A's because Hendrick had done that before. But you know, you start looking at your lineup card and you're saying, okay, who's going to be the pinch runner? Are they going to bunt? Which nobody did. But see, if you don't give up a run to say the visiting team, you can bunt. But if that visiting team scores a run or two, then you have to score at least that many to tie it or score more to win it. And so it does become a little bit complicated. But I, I think it's an asinine rule. But uh, that's me talking, and I'm glad Mitch, uh, Mitch said that as well. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Ray, the past year was a tough one for all of us baseball fans of a certain age. So many Hall of Famers left us from, you know, your era of the 60s and 70s. Al Kaline, Lou Brock, Joe Morgan, pitching greats Bob Gibson, Whitey Ford, Tom Seaver, Phil Necro. And then in December, we were especially, you know, hurt by the news that we lost a slugger who should have been in the Hall of Fame and didn't get there for some goofy reason. A guy that we talked about at length last year with you, former Phil's and White Sox great Dick Allen. I'm guessing several of those losses hit you hard emotionally, too. Well, I knew all of them. Yeah. One way or another. And, and yes, and I'm getting an age where, you know, I started looking at the age of those guys and also just recently Stan Williams. Uh, passed away and I think he's 80 he was 84 85 and Stan and I were teammates in Portland and in Cleveland uh obviously he'd been much older and he'd had a great career with the Dodgers uh, before Cleveland got him but uh, I talked to Tim Mead as a president of the Hall of Fame and he said 12 percent of the living Hall of Famers passed away last year 12 percent and, and oh, that, wow. that, that's just an unbelievable figure and he told me between Frank Robinson and Al Kaline the time span between those two deaths of Hall of Famers, and then all of a sudden, it's just like every week you pick up a, a newspaper or read, and Susan Sluster, who is now with the Giants, was a beat writer for the 80s, I get this call, and I'm going, why is she calling me? And she said, well, how well did you know Joe Morgan? How well did you know Tom Seaver? Hmm. How well did you know this guy? You know, And, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it was it was devastating, and I just, uh, I just hate to see it, and, and especially... I think under the circumstances, and I, I do not know um, what happened with regard to funeral services and things like that, but because of the COVID and the pandemic, they, people couldn't do that. You know, they couldn't, uh, you know, represent, uh, have the representation for those funerals the way they probably would under all the circumstances. Hey, if I could follow up, Ray, uh, regarding Dick Allen, um, you know, if in a perfect world, he would have been voted into the hall by the old timers or was whatever it's called that committee in early yeah. December. And of course they postponed all that because of COVID yeah. and then he passed away the next day after he should have been announced. Um, do you criticize the hall for the way they handled that thing? You know, why couldn't they like everybody else in the world have their meeting via zoom? You know, that's a great point. I think they could have had the meeting while they, uh, the meeting while they canceled, of course the hall of fame induction last summer had already been canceled. And from all indications, they're going forward this year in July with inductions and with nobody from the current class going in, it's going to be basically Ted Summons, Derek Jeter, and uh, uh, Walker, uh, Ray Walker, and of course then the writer and the, and the broadcasters, whatever. But um, yeah, that's disappointing. And, and plus, did they ever get a chance to retire Dick's number? Yeah, the Phillies did that in September and he was there for it. Oh, that's good. I'm glad because I knew that was... Uh, 
that was something that they were going to happen. But, you know, it's sad because Dick will go in the Hall of Fame, and unfortunately he's not going to be around to enjoy it. And I think of uh, late Ron Santo. I remember talking to him in 2010. I did an interview with him in spring training, and I, I said in closing, Ron, we, we all think you're a Hall of Famer. And he said, you know, I just hope I'm alive to see it. And unfortunately, he passed away in November along with the great Bob Feller in November. And then he was uh, he was elected into the Hall of Fame and his wife gave the uh, acceptance speech. But, yeah, it, it's too bad. And uh, I, I agree with you going back to your original statement. I, I think it's something they could have done uh, and why they just postponed it, canceled it or whatever. Uh, is beyond me, but uh, you know, maybe because they didn't have the induction ceremonies last July, they decided we'll just wait and start fresh this year. But you know, they, they had the voting uh, what in January for the current class, and nothing stopped that. And I'm sure they'll go forward with um, with the veterans. Uh, the veterans, actually, what they do in the veterans committee now is it's more of an era in which you play. Yeah, is how is how they do it. So, but it's sad because there's no no doubt that Dick Allen deserves to be in there and. Uh, uh, it's just going to be sad when he does go that he's not going to be here himself. Yep. Hey, Ray, once the season starts, break camp, uh, what is what is Ray's plans? Uh, are you going to be calling away games from that little booth you told us about last year or are broadcasters traveling? Or what's, what's the plans for 2021? Well, as far as the 21 season, I've been told April 1st is the opener. And, at, well, I heard that Major League Baseball said no TV crews will be traveling. And if that's the case, then I talked to Dennis Eckersley with Nesson out of Boston. He said, we're doing all of our games. And this was before MLB made the announcement. He said, we're doing all of our games out of the Nesson studio, all the Boston Red Sox games. Now, I talked to our people, and we're going to do the same. Last year, basically what happened, They, uh, from a TV standpoint, they parked their production truck in the F parking lot. Didn't move for the 50... 57, 58 games that were televised. And uh, whether that happens this year, they go to the studio. And remember, the the regional networks uh, were purchased and NBC Sports having some issues on the network side. So uh, I don't know really what's going to happen, but I think from the radio standpoint, in spring training, we have our separate booths. And if we have to be together, our radio booth here is about nine feet wide. And we have a piece of plexiglass but it would not accommodate three broadcasters. So we have a situation next week where Ken Korak and I will do the Wednesday game because Vince Catronio has a, a medical situation. And then on Friday, because the team, the A's are playing, I don't know right now who they're playing. I will not be working because we do not have an extra booth for me to go into. Whereas at the Coliseum, we were tier three and we were not allowed to go on the field. I yell at guys and wave to them and, and that was the extent of it. We just could not do anything, and that's, that's going to hold true again this year. And, um, you know, had to be tested before home stands and then temperature taken before each home game. And, uh, you know, they're talking about maybe second half of the season, but, you know, our radio guy brought up a good point. He said, let's, let's say you go into Texas, and Governor Abbott has basically said, we're going to open up everything, and there's been some people uh, talking negatively about that. But he said, our guy said, well, let's say you go into Arlington, Texas, and everything's fine, and you go to Anaheim, they said, nope, can't come in, and now you got to book it back to the Bay Area. But the worst thing, you know, we're all spoiled with the charter flights. But because the way the schedule is set up, if you finish a series in Baltimore, I'm just throwing out a city, 
and the next game is in New York, Tampa, wherever it might be in the American League. The charter leaves after the game, whether it's at 11 o'clock, midnight, 3 in the morning. The charter is there. The players get in, they sleep, and they get up when they want to. We as broadcasters and traveling party would be going back to the hotel, getting up in the morning, and catching a commercial flight, and pray to God there's no issues. Otherwise, we don't have broadcasters showing up for the game. Hmm. So so I, I think because of those issues now, if we're not allowed on charters, I really can't see, Bill, I can't see us traveling. Uh, and it doesn't bother me. I've traveled 35 years of my life, 34 years in broadcasting, and you know another 11 years playing baseball. Uh, my wife is happy. <laughs> every every game that we do, whether the teams wherever, we finish the game and I go home. <laughs> I go home, you know. And uh, I, I heard that even uh, Charlie Snyder did the World Series from his sofa last year, <laughs> uh, while the Dodgers team was in Arlington, and you know they had fans in the stands there. And here's Charlie doing his game there, and I don't know where Rick Money was, uh, but you know they're they're all over the place and. Even this spring, uh, Vince Catronio told me that uh, Susan Waldman and um, John Sterling are doing games from New York while the team's in Florida for spring training. So there's no traveling. I guess they're just, they televise all their games or the only games they would broadcast are games they televise. And, and that's how you play and, and do the game. So the only difficult time from a broadcaster standpoint uh, when the team was on the road, we would have the program monitor, and they had what is called an all-nine, which would show all nine positions, the bullpens, and, and different things like that. But it, it's hard to have one monitor on one side, another on the other, and try to figure, is the runner on the move? What's the shift? Tom Hamilton of the Indians told me that the club had not suicide squeezed for two years. Hmm. Last, last year, they had two <laughs> when they were on the road. And he said, and here's the pitch. Oh, there comes the runner. He's a squeeze. He had no clue because he couldn't see the runner coming down the third base. Yeah. So there are difficulties, but, you know, you know, we just do, do it the way we have to. Yeah, that's the way the 76ers and Flyers have been doing the away games as well. Uh, hey, Ray, uh, speaking of guys on the move, runners on the move, I mentioned this on our show two weeks ago, but one of your former teammates from the A's from 1974 and 75 was in the news recently. He actually had filed a lawsuit against McDonald's for discrimination. But I mentioned this on our show, pinch runner extraordinaire Herb Washington. He scored 33 runs, stole 31 bases, but never got an at-bat. That has Charlie Finley written all over it. Uh, is that Was that definitely just Charlie's idea? Well, you know, King Herbie. And, and, you know, <laughs> look at it this way. When the season started, it was Gene Tennis and me. We were the only two catchers on the team. So Gina would start at first, and I would catch. If either one of us got on base, and especially me, let's say I got on base from the sixth inning on, Herbie would come into pinch run for me. Gino would go behind the plate. Somebody would go to first base. So you might be asking, who's the emergency catcher? It was Dick Green. You have to have an emergency. And in the case, let's say that Gene Tennis, or in my case, I got hurt, then you have to have somebody come in to finish out the game until the next day and they could bring somebody up. But now with the alternate sites, uh, I don't know what they could do in all the new rules. But, yeah, I remember, and, and the thing about Herb, Herb Washington, he was, a, he was a hurdler and a sprinter, hurdler. And he could go from first to second as fast as anybody. But we would yell at him, say, turn, Herbie, you got to go to third. He'd run straight <laughs> into the bat. Oh, no. You know, it's, it, it's like, no, Herbie, this isn't track. This is turning <laughs> the bases, you know. And uh, 
I remember in the, in the 74 World Series, Mike Marshall picked him off. And, you know, Mike Marshall had one of those block moves anyway. And he picked him off the next day, our next game, Herbie got on. He got a little league lead. He put his left foot on the bag. He wasn't leaving the bag until the pitcher started to play. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, he uh, – and believe it or not, he took a baseball card. He had uh, – I can't remember which manufacturer. But you look at the card, and he's got a bat in his hand. And we'd say, Herbie – what are you doing? <laughs> I never hit once, and you got a bat in your hands like, you know, you're a big hitter. But uh, but I'll give him credit with the team. We we all rode the same bus, manager, coaches, players, and like today where, you know, everybody's kind of segregated. They're, now I think Mickey Morbido told us they have like five buses because they have to be socially distanced. And then the certain times they go there. But we all rode the same bus. And that meant that if we got on each other, which we all got on Herbie because he didn't play, he would get right back on us. And uh, he didn't make any bones about it. He would just get back on us. And, uh, you know, basically we'd say, okay, Orioles, we're playing them in the playoffs. And we got into a little bit of a scuffle on the bus. I mean, verbally, not not physically, but we got on each other. And we said, Orioles, you're in trouble. Because anytime we had a verbal discussion on the bus that got a little heated, the team that we were playing was in trouble because we took our frustration out on the team that we were playing, not on each other. Very good. Hey, Ray, going to uh, looking at 2021, uh, what do you see? What's your crystal ball telling you? The San Diego Padres certainly were uh, the most active in the offseason. Who do you like winning this thing this year? And Bill, that's because they spent the most money. That doesn't make them the champions, but uh, aside that's from right. that, um, you know, they, they, now they've got an over-under on Machado and Tatis Jr. as to how long they will stay with the Padres. But, uh, you know, you can never discount the Dodgers. I mean, they got um, uh, Trevor, um, Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Yeah. And, and you know, making $40 million and they got Kershaw and, and the best pitcher. You know, and, and Bauer's going to be the third pitcher. I mean, you got Walker Bueller is probably the, the head guy, and then you have Kershaw. And, and uh, this uh, Arias was was pitching well. They got Turner back. I uh, got Seager at shortstop. You know, they're loaded. And uh, again, because they signed the largest uh, local contract, TV contract in the history of baseball. And matter of fact, I read they said that will never happen again, that, that a team would get that kind of money. But if you take the $67 million postseason money that each club gets, and in the case of Dodgers, they were, <laughs> again, the discussion came up the other day about the ticket prices. With the way they draw, they were making $200 million in ticket sales. So you throw in the local TV, the ticket sales, the network TV. I think they could do whatever the heck they wanted to when it comes to players. Um, and, and, you know, in the case of Blake Trinan, he won his arbitration case uh, in 2018. Uh, the A's pretty much DFA'd him uh, because they figured they're going to have to give him a raise. He had a horrible season in 18. And so what the Dodgers do in 19, they give him $10 million. So you have a bad year, six, six million four, and they give you $10 million. But I'll say this, Bill, uh, and not being biased, which I probably am because of the A's, but a lot of people were looking at the athletics, 10 free agents on the club. And of course, Marcus Simeon went to the Blue Jays, Liam Hendricks to the White Sox. But all of a sudden, right at the end, and I think it's because of the pandemic, because a lot of free agents on the market. The A's pick up Trevor Rosenthal as a closer, a proven closer. Had a great year in Kansas City, San Diego last year, coming off Tommy John. Did great in St. Louis. The A's get Sergio Romo. Petit resigns. 
Uh, they get choleric from the Dodgers because they probably didn't need him. And the A's gets this, they get this hard throwing lefty. They trade Chris Davis to the the Rangers. They get back Elvis Sanders to play shortstop. Jet Lowry, we hope he's healthy, can play second base. The starting staff, they've got six starters for five spots. And I would say in the American League, if you look at the Astros, American League West, the Astros losing George Springer. Uh, Josh Reddick is not re-signed. Uh, they, they did you know, they've got some young pitchers, but, you know, by and large, I think of the West, the Angels, if they get pitching, they could be difficult. But, Bill, to answer your question, I would say the Dodgers are the team to beat, and I'm sure a lot of people east of the Mississippi are thinking it's going to be the New York Yankees uh, playing them. But, you know, I wouldn't discount your Phillies either because I still think Joe Girardi is a good manager, and I, I think that uh, uh, some good things can happen for the Phillies, you get Rio Muto back. Uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, if they could play 162, what happened last year with the Marlins going to postseason, I don't think that happens under normal circumstances. It was a, a shortened season, and, you know, they played with a bunch of guys that anytime anybody was DFA'd or waived, whatever, the Marlins got them because they had so many COVID cases. They were picking up anybody and everybody, and it's like, I'm going to introduce myself to the pitcher when he comes in. Because that's how rare it was <laughs> to have somebody pretty consistent on the field all the time. So it's uh, it's a crapshoot. As any 162-game schedule is, the team that stays the healthiest, the team that makes the fewest mistakes, probably is going to be the team that goes to the end. Yeah, well, we're cautiously optimistic here with the Phillies. Uh, one final question from me, Ray. We were talking about the Hall of Fame earlier, and no ball players got enough votes in this most recent voting. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens came up short for the ninth straight year. They'd be locks if not for the steroid PED issues. And the top voter was Kurt Schilling, who would almost certainly be in the Hall if he could just keep his mouth shut. Uh, there, There is a character clause in the baseball halls, you know, election rules, but – should a guy like Kurt Schilling be in the hall? What say you? Uh, there's a left-handed pitcher that you guys had that was pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, the name of Steve Carlton. Yep. Did he ever talk to the press? No. <laughs> Who votes? The press, the media. I, I, I still believe that people other than just the, the writers should vote. But I think Kurt Schilling, you have to look at what he did on the field. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Now, there's another guy that keeps while well, he's still suspended. And there is a rule that the Hall of Fame cannot elect anybody to the Hall of Fame if he's suspended for baseball mm -hmm. or not, you know, and you know who I'm talking about. But yes, but I, I, I say with Kurt Schilling, he's asked to be taken off the ballot. They're not going to do that, you know, and, and I don't blame him. He's going to be on the ballot. I do think that mentioning some of the guys that you mentioned, that Derek Jeter is a special guy, as was Mariano Rivera. Had those guys gone in last year under normal circumstances, it might have been a different situation this year. I feel strongly that maybe there are some writers who will never vote for certain guys. Um, and the two that you mentioned, to me, would have been Hall of Famers before all the other stuff started happening. Sure. Uh, based, based on what they did. But uh, the thing that bothered me on the other side of the bay when somebody would say, well, it was a Hall of Famer before. And I said, but that, but that word before is bad, you know, if you just played normally. So, uh, and, and the same with Clemens. You, you just don't do some of the things that those guys were doing at the, that age, 35 and above. You, you start your, your diminishing returns. I'm sorry. It, it just, I know my body. Once I hit 30, I'm downhill. And, you know, it just, it just doesn't happen the same way with the grueling travel and the playing and things like that. But 
you know, I think Kurt Schilling should and probably will get in. And, uh, you know, I, I think you really have to discount and really throw out the window some of the things that he has done. And if he's, if they warned him to go in the Hall of Fame based on what he did as a player, I think he should go there just like Lefty and just like this guy named Ty Cobb. <laughs> you know, there, there are guys in the Hall of Fame that you can say, well, this guy did this. And, and the, the cancel culture uh, culture we're in right now, who knows what might be happening. But, <laughs> but I, I think Kurt Schilling will go in. And I'm just disappointed that the guy you mentioned before, Dick Allen, is not going to be around when he, he is announced to be a Hall of Famer. Yep. All right. Well, Ray, we have run out of time. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us again. And uh, but let's do it. Hopefully we can do it sometime during the season. We can do it during the season. We'll figure out this video. How's that? <laughs> Sounds go. good. There you go. We make it work, though. I could hear you lately, but I could hear you except for that one question. And, of course, Chet, I heard you loud and clear, but we'll get the video figured out because I tried everything on my end. So we'll get it figured out. And, we will. Uh, we'll, we'll, do it. we'll do it again. I look forward to it. Thanks, Ray. All right. Thanks, Ray. Best to you. Good luck. See ya. All right. All right, Chet, let's talk insurance. If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. You got that right, Bill. Allstate Insurance, one of the best benefits of having an Allstate Insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Give Dave a call today. He's at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Once again, 610 430 Oh, 0700. Hey everybody, it's Willie Nile here and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. Yes, sir, Willie. Hey, Chet, Flyers finally healthy after their COVID uh, run. They had back-to-back shutouts, as you said, against Buffalo. They get three games with Pittsburgh without Sidney Crosby and they come out and get whipped in the first game of that three-game set last night. Yeah, they came up small for sure, Bill. I mean, the Penguins were energized, I guess, by playing in front of their hometown fans for the first time in just about a year. But the Flyers had a rough second period, giving up three goals, and they were, I think, 0 for 5 on the power play. Shane Goss-Despair did not have the best of nights. He had one very bad giveaway, uh, misplayed another one also. So... Not great, but the good news is they get a chance for some revenge, not once, but twice, Thursday and Saturday out in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they, they need to win them both. These are these are important games, and, uh, you know, certainly with, with Crosby not there, you would think that that's to their advantage, but real interesting uh, interview last night with Keith Jones before the game with uh, Taron Hatcher and said, you know, it's situations like this where the other guys step up and be counted, so you can't just assume – the team is weaker because they lost their best player, and that's what Pittsburgh showed last night. Everybody stepped up. Yeah, they sure did. So, uh, you know, like we said, they got a couple of more chances, and the Flyers have played pretty well for the most part this season. You know, sometimes the defense has let them down. They give up too many shots sometimes. Um, my question, though, and I asked this a couple of weeks ago, do we need to worry about Carter Hart? He had the shutout against Buffalo, but Buffalo's not a good team. But the game before that that he played and last night, he was a little shaky in a couple of spots. Well, I, I think he was a little shaky in a few spots, but I also think the defense let him down. Oh, big time. Uh, you know, I mean, they showed the one the one goal where they had two defenders planted or two offenders 
planted behind the two Flyers defenders in front of the goal, that's not on the goaltender. You know, uh, heck, they, they could have had nine goals if it wasn't for Hart making the, you know, making some of the saves he did. I think the biggest question that I have at this point is, are they, do they play uh, maybe riskier with Hart in there on defense? They seem to be tighter defensively with Brian Elliott's in the goal to me. Yeah, they do. And I don't know why that is because Hart hasn't had, you know, a great game every time out there. I know that he is the goalie of the future, the the franchise goalie, if you will, but um, he's still young and you got to support him. But you mentioned Elliot. I like what Elliot's done all season. I'm guessing he'll get to start the next game, then they'll go back to Hart Saturday. We don't know that for sure. We'll see. But Elliot's been great. So, you know, hopefully he'll get a win for them when he goes out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, like we said, they're, they're healthy again. And, uh, you know, hopefully last night was just one of those things. Lane Vigneault is not going to let this thing slip away. I don't think. Uh, interesting interview with him, too. Uh, you know, I came here to win a Stanley Cup. That, that that's, that's what it's all about. Anything less of that uh, isn't going to be acceptable. Yeah, that's for sure, Bill. All right. Hey, I think, do I hear a bell? Bell? You hear the bell? Ring the bell. It's random chat time. What do you have for us this week? Well, first of all, this this segment scares me. (laughs) As you're aware, Bill, I did watch the entire Golden Globes show Sunday night. Yes, I'm the one. Maybe maybe a few dozen people around the country watched. The, The what? Ratings tumbled to an all-time low for the Golden Globes this year. They were down 60-some percent from a year ago. Hey, look, I know award shows aren't what they used to be. A lot of people are turned off by the whole Hollywood scene. I'm not going to mention any names, Bill Furman. Um, but as a movie guy. <laughs> as you know, I, have to guy, tell, I just have ahead. to jump in here and just say, hard to believe, Harry. <laughs> I still do watch the Golden Globes and Oscars every year. I'm taking you out of the picture right now, because I don't want you interrupting me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, a main reason I think so few people watched this year, at least it's my guess, is that hardly anybody has gone to the movie theaters since last March. And even though most of the nominated films have been available on Hulu or Netflix or Prime, let's face it, none of them was a real must-see blockbuster because the studios held all those back until after the pandemic one of these days ends. But I have watched many of them, and here's my take on several of Sunday's big winners. First of all, no Bad Nat, No Mad Land, the best drama movie. It stars Francis McDormand and several real-life nomads wandering from place to place in vans. Doesn't sound overly exciting, but it's really well done. It's worth checking out. I give that one a B plus. Next on the list, we have Borat, subsequent movie film. That is the winner of Best Musical or Comedy this year. And just like its predecessor 14 years earlier, Sasha Baron Cohen's sequel is very silly, but also laugh out loud funny much of the time. Sasha won the Globe for Best Actor in a Comedy, also well-deserved. His movie, like the other one I mentioned, gets a B plus. Now, among other Best Acting winners were the late, great Chadwick Boseman. Um, Chadwick Boseman is in the movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom about the 1920s Chicago blues scene. And Rosamund Pike got the uh, Golden Globe for the dark comedy and thriller I Care A Lot. She plays a court-appointed guardian of senior citizens, and she's not exactly above board. I gave Ma Rainey a B, and I gave I Care A Lot a B+. Uh, it's a very, very dark comedy, but well done. 
And then we have the movie that earned Aaron Sorkin a Golden Globe for Best Screenplay. And that one is The Trial of the Chicago 7. That one is my choice, at least at this point, for number one best movie of 2020. It's really, really well done, well acted. Aaron Sorkin did a great job putting this together. I give The Trial of the Chicago 7 a solid A. So there you go, Bill. I'm going to bring you back because I know you want to comment because you've probably seen every single one of those movies. Well, I tell you what, Chet, I haven't seen any of them. I'm not going to see any of them. Uh, you know, they could put them in my living room for free and, uh, I don't believe I'd watch a one of them. So, well, let me just say all of the movies that I mentioned then, and I do recommend are available to stream on either Hulu, Amazon prime or Netflix. So Bill's not going to do it, but everybody else out there, Check them out. You'll be glad you did. I, I thought they all became elitists and and whatever social justice people. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't you know. Bill, I got to move you. on. You're making me drink. There you go. Well, hey, let's give a shout out to all our partners at the Edge of Philly Sports Network and their shows. You can check them all out. The Broad Street Bully Podcast. Drew, Jeb, Doyle, talking Flyers hockey. They got a great show going on. Bird's IQ is on with. Uh, Every Monday, 7 p.m., live with Kyle and Eric Quinn. They talk Eagles football. Edge of Philly Sports Live. Joe, Freddie, Big Al cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. That's live. That's tonight, Chad. Every Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can join Tom Kelly and the gang at Patterson Avenue Fanatics. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. talking all things Philly sports as well. You can check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And as always, share with your family and friends. Don't forget to sign up for the weekly EOP newsletter that arrives every Friday via email, Chet. And that's always good. Covers uh, covers a good part of the week. What kind of t-shirt are you wearing there, Bill? Uh, that would be a Philly Press Box black with red and blue. And I have the Philly Press Box black with uh, like a kind of a midnight greenish, almost like Eagles green, but uh, a little little off. Yeah. Um, we still have some t-shirts available. So if you want one, let us know. 10 bucks plus shipping. I think it's like seven or eight bucks now to ship a t-shirt because they keep raising the price a little bit. But 10 bucks, we'll ship it to you for seven or eight bucks. Let us know. Reach out to us and we'll take care of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Chad, Sixers have won five of their last seven. Uh after their three-game losing streak since then. and uh, But they haven't extended that lead over Brooklyn. Still sitting a half game out with a big one tonight. Um, you okay? Just hanging around here? We're still 35 games in? I'd like to see a bigger lead, of course. Um, but Joel Embiid is continuing to kill it. He's played, I think, three straight weeks now, Bill, just so you're aware. Or two weeks. Two straight weeks. Um, averaging about 30 points and 11 and a half rebounds a game. Can't beat that. Tobias Harris missed the last couple of games, but he is back in the lineup tonight. Ben Simmons been playing more aggressive of late. We like to see that. Great job by the bench on Monday night. Shake Milton, even Furkan. And Dwight Howard, who's been a real revelation coming off the bench instead uh, of Joel Embiid. So, uh, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Great win over Indiana. This is a big one tonight going into the All-Star break. The All-Star game is Sunday. And then uh, they don't play again, I think, till next Thursday. And then the following Sunday, they will be at home and there will be fans in the stands at the Wells Fargo Center. Well, hey, let's let's talk about that just for a second. Uh, let's get back on this fans thing and the five hundred twenty three dollars for Phillies tickets. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, you know, spring training tickets uh, eighty dollars. Um, 
you know, I, I actually looked uh, on the Tigers website here at Lakeland to try to, at the last minute for the Phil's Tigers on Sunday in the opener, uh, the morning of the game, the cheapest seat was $35 for the berm. And it was up to, you know, a hundred dollars on, on game day. These, you know, they're basically, they're scalping these tickets. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it looks like that's what's going to happen probably for the flyers, probably for the Sixers. So now you have fans who really have been wanting to go dying to go. And now it's out of their hands. And it seems to me, if I don't have enough fact to really probably say this, but if they sold the tickets to the, to the ticket brokers and not to the people, I got a real problem with the way these leagues and teams have handled this. No, I think it's people have the tickets and they're just reselling them, knowing that they can make a killing. Cause I think they are giving the season ticket holders, you know, first crack at it. But if, if those people want to sell them on StubHub or wherever, that's certainly within their right. But you hate to see these, you know, ridiculous markups, a, a $40 ticket selling for, you know, $500, $600. That's just nuts. Yeah, well, and I know you specifically are uh, going to opening day at the Phillies is a big thing. You've gone to many, many, many of them, as I recall. Yeah. And uh, to to uh, I mean, you're not going to spend six hundred dollars to go to a game. I am not because yeah, I mean, that would certainly speed up any potential divorce. Sure, my wife and me. <laughs> as expected. Yeah, she would not stand for me spending five hundred and some dollars on a baseball game. Yeah, and, and you know the the other thing is. Uh, if you noticed the other day, uh, I just happened to notice because Hazley hit a home run here at Lakeland. Yeah. And uh, I saw a clip of it. So I looked, and he hits it to left field. And out in the left field berm, they have squares. They have squares yeah. all out in the left field for your little pods people to sit in. Well, the ball goes into the berm, and everybody leaves their pods and runs their ball. And then you got to return back to your pod. It's just <laughs> look, it's maddening. It's just the way it is in 2020 and 2021, Bill. And as Ray said, hopefully next year this will all be forgotten. I can't wait because it doesn't look like I'm going to get to any baseball games this year with those prices unless things drastically change after, you know, June when everybody hopefully has their vaccines and the numbers are way, way down. We'll see, but I'm not optimistic. It's going to be, I think, next year till we all get back to more normalcy. Yeah, it just it almost seems to me, and and even I was talking about this last night watching the Flyers game in Pittsburgh where they had fans in yeah. there, you know. But when they showed the far away view, the fans are so spread out. It, it's remember we had Freddie talking about uh, going to the Eagles Cowboys game. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just not, it's just not a good setup, and it's almost to me, it's almost like they're they're taking our money they're taking your money it's 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 just not a good setup and but fans are fans they want to get to the games and i guess me personally i'd, I'd rather watch it on tv than sit in a section by myself you know of course if i was with you that'd be different we could talk movies and all kinds of other stuff oh yeah hell we could recap the golden globes again for one another that that's what i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> all right jack great guest tonight and ray fossey uh Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? And by the way, kudos to us for somehow pulling that off with Ray Fossey because we were scrambling. And uh, so at the last second, I just said, well, no, wait, I can hear him. He can hear me if I can get you to hear him. So that's why I said, let's just hold it up to the phone and hope for the best. So we, we muddled through it, Bill. 
Yep, and and you know what? We've had a couple things along the way that have uh, been kind of crazy, and this is probably the worst one we've had since we've been doing the uh, the video. But hey, we figured it out. Yeah, we got it. I mean, look, it's still better than what we were doing, you know, a year and a half ago when we had the the phone quality for all the guests, and you know, this way. We got Ray on the air, and people got to see your and my smiling faces, too. There so. you go. Hey, Chip, before we move on, I, I want to throw a question up here. Uh, Larry Carlin asked, wonder if Reading Phillies are having fans this year. And and I kind of know a little bit about that. Uh, it looks like right now the double, all the minor leagues are still in limbo. Hmm. Uh, they're in limbo whether they're even going to play. Uh, AAA has been delayed another month. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty if there's even going to be baseball for these teams, let alone fans to be there watching them. So, uh, don't know that that helps you, Larry, but that's the latest I know. And that's as of today. All right. All right. For uh, next week's show, Bill, we have a couple of guests that not only will our viewers and listeners be happy about, but as a huge fan of Phillies baseball and broad street era or broad street bullies era flyers hockey, you're going to love this pair of guests too, Bill. Visiting the show next week. Oh, and I just lost the picture. Let's see. Visiting the show next week will be this guy. He is a Stanley Cup champion, twice a Flyers legend. Bob Hound Kelly joins us to talk all things orange and black. And to help us get ready for the 2021 Phillies regular season, we have the radio voice of the Phils, the great Scott Fransky. So, Bob Hound Kelly and Scott Fransky both joining us live next week. Not bad, Bill, huh? You not bad at all. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, Chad, I want to tell you, uh, or I, I did mention to you over the weekend a tweet uh, or on a text that I went into uh, Delco's Hoagie Shop down hmm. in Dunedin uh, last Thursday, Friday, whatever. It was after our show with Bob Brookover, and I had on a Philly Press Box Radio shirt. Delco's is a hoagie shop. Yeah. Uh, with the original in Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania. And uh, here, lo and behold, the guys, uh, people working, waiting on me, Ed and Cindy, are friends with Bob Brookover. So oh, wow. we hooked up a little text, and uh, we, we got that going on. So it was uh, good to be seen in Dunedin and uh, a good contact with uh, the good folks at Delco's and uh, with Bob Brookover. Bob's a good man, and it sounds like Ed and Cindy are fine people as well. That's right. Hey, Chad, how about the Phillies? What uh, what do you make of it? They haven't won any spring training games unless they did. Today. They won today. They won did today. They win today, okay. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you make of it? Uh, you care? There's really not much going on at this point. No, nah, the wins and losses certainly don't matter at all in spring training. It's about guys getting at bats, guys getting healthy. Zach Eflin did throw a couple of shutout innings today, I believe. Um, we got Oduble in the lineup yesterday. He got a hit. He apologized for what happened in 2019 after the game. Sounded sincere, so hopefully, you know, that will help his standing. You know, if he hits, you know, maybe they'll give him a shot. Um I'm liking what I'm seeing out of some of the bullpen guys. I actually watched the whole game while at work on uh, Monday. So that was kind of fun to watch baseball while doing my serious journalism here, of course. Um, you know, take take spring training games for what they're worth. Like I said, it's just about seeing guys deciding who's going to make the final roster. Phil's have a lot of decisions to make still about center field and, you know, the guys coming off the bench. And, of course, the, the final – guys in the rotation and the bullpen yeah well um 
Yeah, it's just it's just so hard to tell the way this thing's going. Seven inning games, and uh, how about speaking of that? How about a new rule that they have? Uh, Ray kind of mentioned it, but uh, I think it was Boston the other day. Guy comes out in the first inning, the pitcher, and he's getting lit up. He can't he can't get out. Throws twenty four pitches, and they say inning over. Yeah, they stop the inning. Yeah, I heard uh, Tom McCarthy talking about that on Monday on the broadcast. Um, if you don't want to, you know, have the guy get pummeled, if you don't want to use too many other pitchers, you can just say, that's enough, inning over, let's move yeah. on. And they brought him back in the next inning. Oh, jeez. He, he got a one, two, three second inning oh, my after goodness. getting taken out after 24 pitches in the first inning. I'm like, well, you, that's can't, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> It's like it was like a t-ball game, you know, the six-run rule. You, you know, you got six runs to come out. I don't yeah. know how many. I don't know how many runs he gave up, oh, but he threw twenty-four pitches in the first inning in the Yankee. <sighs> what can I tell you? Hey, let's take another quick break and thank our friends over at the PPCC One Eighteen Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page, so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11-line razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook pages. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC118 Razroom and PPCC118 Razroom Shop on Facebook. Mr. Chesco, we managed to pull this off. We're only at 8.02, so we're still within our hour of when we started. You got a parting shot? I have a parting shot, but before I get to the parting shot, I want to mention this guy, Bill. Irv Cross, who we lost. You know, he played uh, several years with the Eagles. Real good cornerback, and he was uh, with the Eagles just when I was really starting to watch football in the mid-60s. Then he went, I think, out west, came back and played one more year later with the Eagles. But, you know, a real good player. And then, of course, we knew him when he was on CBS as a broadcaster in the 70s with Brent and those folks. So we lost Irv Cross at age 81 the other day, Bill. Yeah, and you know, uh, Chet, when I was a really little kid, um, the Eagles used to play basketball, uh, you know, have a traveling basketball team, and Irv Cross was one of those. Uh, And my dad was involved in the – he was actually the president of the local youth league uh, thing – and was involved in getting the Eagles to come out. And I guess Irv was one of the representatives, one of the main representatives to make that happen. And, uh, you know, my dad always said, what a first-class guy. He was always a huge fan of Irv after dealing with him because everyone always said not only was he a great player, he was a great broadcaster, he was a better person than those other things. So, uh, from from a, a story, a, kind of a personal story, I'm, I'm saddened for the loss of Irv. I'm with you. Rest in peace, Irv. All right. Hey, Chet, one other quick story I'm going to throw at you, just just for fun, just because Ray Fossey mentioned Steve Carlton. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who actually played at Miami North uh, Community College where Steve Carlton played. Um, and he was uh, this my friend. He's a two-time All-American uh, hitter. Um, and he told me, I was just with him the other day. He was telling me this story. That's why I bring it up. He said that uh, with the year that Lefty was holding out, he came to Miami Dade to practice with those guys. Mm-hmm. So he's throwing BP and he's throwing it up there, throwing it up there, you know, just regular, you know, getting his arm loose. He decides 
or, or and at a certain point he says, okay, now I'm going to throw for real. Anybody, do you guys want to hit? I mean, we're going to go live. I'm going to go live here. So my buddy's like, yeah, I, I want to hit against him. I want to see. He's like, he said, I still haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I believe <laughs> it. It was unbelievable. It said how good he was. And this guy was a hitter. I mean, he was an All-American. He was a good player. And he said, I saw stuff that uh, is like, I, I can't even, I can't even see the ball coming. So there's my latest lefty. Story good old lefty. Anything else you got? Parting shot. Parting shot. Nope. Go All ahead. right. Uh, Bill, I really didn't expect to get overly excited about this coming Philly season, given the way the last couple of years went, but then they went and they hired Dave Dombrowski. They did bring JT real Muto back. They got DD Gregorius to return. We started hearing good things about some of the new relievers. And now we have the news that fans will be back in the stands, some 81, 8,800 or whatever it's going to be in April. Hey, that's a start. And lo and behold, I'm getting pumped up again, Bill. There's always excitement, you know, when a new Eagles or Sixers or Flyers season rolls around. But for whatever reason, baseball is the one that really just pulls me in. Maybe it's the knowledge that baseball means that warmer weather is really on the horizon. Maybe it's, you know, hearing the crack of the bat again every February or March for the first time in months. But, yeah, I'm ready. I don't know about you, Bill, but I don't know how good this Phillies team is going to be this season. But I'm looking forward to it. They're in a very strong NL East. And I'll tell you, I can't wait to watch them. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, you know, springs and summers are for baseball. If, if uh, you know, it used to be we listened to them on the radio all the time. Now it's always on the TV. But, uh, you know, summer nights, you put the ball game on, whether it's on the radio or TV. Uh, it's part of your life in the summer, and it's it's good. No matter where you go, boom, hit it, and you got a ball game on. Uh, I always look forward to the season, too. I hope, I hope the Phillies compete. Uh, we'll see. One other thing, Bill, um, I'm married to a lovely brunette, but there is nothing like a winter blonde. And this is one of my favorite beers of the last several months. Unfortunately, it's only a seasonal beer, you know, winter, and I cannot find it anywhere else. And this is my very last one. Winter blonde, I love you. And speaking of beautiful blondes, 51 years old today is this lovely lady, Julie Bowen. You know, a lot of guys love Sofia Vergara on Modern Family, but for me, I loved this lady since her days on Ed, you know, 18, 20 years ago. And uh, she's done several other things. She was in Happy Gilmore, of course. The lovely of course, of course. Julie Bowen. Yeah, Julie Bowen, 51 years old today and still beautiful. Happy birthday, Julie. All right, let's wrap it up on that. Let's All thank right. tonight's special guest, Ray Fossey. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, March 10th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com or on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the other podcasts, check us out. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. High hopes,